Chapter 13 of Cowboy Life on the Sidetrack. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kim Gibbs. Cowboy Life on the Sidetrack by Frank Benton. Chapter 13 The Grafting. One night, while we were in Cheyenne, we were going from the dispatcher's office down to our way car, which was, as usual, about one mile from the depot. The railroad company had quite a number of police on duty in the yards to watch for strikers, there having been a machinist strike on for a long time. No strikers had ever come around the railroad yards nights or even interfered with any one at any time. But... A lot of fellows, who wanted soft jobs as watchmen, made the officials of the road think the strikers were going to do something, and these night watchmen had, it seems, been looking for a long time for some weak tramp to beat to death, and then claimed the tramp was working in the interest of the strikers, and was about to injure railroad property when those awful sleuths caught him in the act and put his light out. Thus, they could get a fresh hold on their jobs. However, they had been unable to catch a tramp, and as they had to get somebody in order to hold their jobs, they cornered Dillbury Ike, who had loitered behind the rest, and one of the valiant watchmen, swiping him over the head with a six-shooter, scalped him, as clean as a Sioux engine would have done it with a scalping knife. Hearing Dillbury Ike's cries for help, we went to his rescue and none too soon, as the watchman was still beating him. When we had got a doctor for Dillbury, of course the first thing he asked for was Dillbury's scalp, so he could sew it on again. But although we made a long search for the scalp, we only found a few bloody hairs, and undoubtedly some hungry canine prowling around had ate it up. However, the railroad company, after some parlaying, agreed to pay for having a new one grafted on. And as grafting is the long suit of the Cheyenne doctors, there was a general scramble for the job. It was finally agreed to divide the job amongst them, or rather divide the space and the money. The doctors immediately advertised for contributions of pieces of scalp to graft on Dillbury's head. But, no one responding, they offered to buy some sections of scalp, and this ad was responded to in a mysterious way, by a midnight visitor at each of their offices, with a small piece of very close-shaven fresh scalp, which the visitor, who was a woman in each case, and so muffled up that her features couldn't be seen, claimed she had cut off Billy's or Johnny's or Jimmy's head after putting them under the influence of ether. Each of the four doctors paid her $25 and hiked off to plaster the piece of hide on Dillbury Ike's cranium. The scalped place had been carefully laid off by a civil engineer, so each of the four doctors knew his corner in the block, and without any courtesies to one another, they each trimmed down his $25 piece of hide to fit his corner and then fastened it on. The grafting took it once, and in a few days was healed over nicely, despite the fact it turned out that the woman had taken a different piece of scalp 
off from different pet animals which she kept. One was a pet pig, another a pet goat, another a pet sheep, and the fourth a pet dog of the Newfoundland breed. When the hair, wool, and bristles all began to make a luxuriant growth on Dillbery's new scalp, he seemed to be more or less affected by the dispositions of each animal from which a part of the wonderful scalp was removed. And when the different colored hair, wool, and bristles had grown to a good length, the effect of this unique head covering was very striking to strangers. However, Dillbury Ike was justly proud of it, as the doctors had charged the Union Pacific $1,200 for this variegated scalp. Of course, no other cowpuncher could boast of such a valuable head covering. There was one little white bare spot in the center, which was above timberline, as it were, where the doctors, making these four corners, had each been a little shy of material. And here was a little open, or park, on the top of his head, in which sheep ticks, hog lice, dog fleas, and goat vermin could have a common ground to assemble and sun themselves in. End of chapter 13